Well, good morning, church family. Thank you for being here. If you would please open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to look together at the entire chapter. Uh, folks in the sound booth, I'm sorry that I didn't have my mic uh, plugged in. It's ready to go now. I forgot to make sure that my batteries are okay. So if you could make those adjustments for our live stream, uh, folks, please. Proverbs chapter 8 is a long chapter, but we're going to look at it together. And this is not an apologetic uh, comment, but I do know... Oh, I feel like something just happened. Are we okay with the sound? Okay, it wasn't a particularly inspirational moment in the sermon, but we can work on that. Uh, Proverbs 8, it's, it's a long chapter, isn't it? And we don't, uh, we don't normally look at chapters this lengthy, but uh, I am being deliberate, and I would ask your patience as we look at this chapter uh, in total. This chapter is a single, uh, call it what you will, poem, song, sermon, the entire chapter hangs together, and as we read it, I want you to hear some divisions in the chapter. First of all, it's a long quote, but I want you to hear that there is an introduction to a sermon, and then as the sermon begins, there is an introduction to the sermon, and there's in the middle a body to the sermon, and you're going to be able to hear clearly at the very end of chapter 8 a sermon conclusion. So this is Proverbs chapter 8. All of the verses of that chapter. And little theologians, uh, I want you to just work on a drawing, if it's okay with mom and dad, uh, over the course of the sermon, work on a drawing that's just anything loud. Anything loud. Because this sermon is preached at a high volume, or poem, or song. This is Proverbs chapter 8. We'll begin at verse 1, but let's first of all join our hearts in prayer. Our Father, thank you for speaking to us uh, loudly and uh, quietly. Uh, Father, as I preach this word, would you preach through me? And by your spirit, would you give us understanding, uh, not of the uh, main points of the themes of the sermon itself, but of your holy word, which is what we have here in Proverbs 8. Uh, thank you for doing this by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, a pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. 
I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there was no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs about uh, abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle in the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before his ways, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. This is the word of our Lord. Isn't this a glorious whatever it is, a sermon, a song, a poem? Isn't it glorious? Would you like to just read it aloud over and over and over again? And that would be our sermon for this morning. It's that beautiful. It's a single speech like a psalm. The first time a speech like this was given in the book of Proverbs was in chapter 1, and so I have a favor to ask of you for this afternoon. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. Chapter 1, 20 through 33, it's 14 verses, and there is another sermon, poem, or song from Lady Wisdom. That's 14 verses, and this one is twice as long, but I want us to value the fact that it stands together. You know, we never do like those, I'm extrapolating here, we don't like those who boast about themselves for a long time. They start speaking, you can sense the boast at the beginning of their words, and they talk incessantly a long time, and it's always a boast about themselves, on and on and on, talking about their unique experiences, their personal history, their credentials, their abilities, on and on. Doesn't that sound odious to you? I know that my children have thought that about me every now and again. 
But this passage is a passage about self-praise. Self-praise. And what you may not know is that in the poetry of the ancient world, this is not an uncommon genre of literature. A long piece of poetry that is about self-praise. And where we find this in ancient literature, it's ordinarily in the words of a deity praising himself in the first person. Oh, how we don't like to hear long boasts. But this is very much that, a long boast. Before I introduce the theme of this passage, can I say that there are some times that we are okay with long boasts? And I want to give the example of sitting and listening to your doctor who is prescribing something that you don't want to hear. He or she thinks that this is the best course for your health, and you may not like it for a variety of very good reasons, and you should expect your physician to do a little bit of boasting about their experiences, about their credentials, about their history of working with the very disease that you have. And they may talk for a long period of time. Do you mind that boast very much? I think you probably shouldn't. Why the self-praise that we find here in Proverbs chapter 8? Long self-praise, lots of boasting. Here's why wisdom boasts in such a shouty fashion. Look at the very end of the passage. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. It's a long boast, but it's an appeal. Listen to Lady Wisdom. She cries aloud for a good purpose, that you might have life and good favor, grace from the Lord. Here's what the passage is really about. The wisdom of God is better than anything you can desire. Nothing that you can desire. And we desire so much. As we wake up in the morning, we begin our day with desires. For me, it's coffee and wakefulness. But it never stops there. But the wisdom of God is better than anything that you can desire. And really, I just want to divide this sermon in half, the first 11 verses and then 12 and beyond. The first 11 verses, 1 through 11, wisdom has two things to say to us. Wisdom has two things to say to us. That's the first portion of this sermon. And then beginning at 12 all the way to the end, wisdom makes three very specific self-praises, but they're really praises about God. And I actually want to conclude the sermon with the conclusion of the preacher, Lady Wisdom, verses 32 through 36. Wisdom has two things to say to us. Wisdom makes three praises and, or boasts really about God, and then there's a conclusion. Here's the two things that wisdom says to us, verses 1 through 11. The first is this. Wisdom says, pay attention. 
You see in verse 5, twice that word is used, learn. Learn prudence, learn sense. And that word for learn is pay attention. Stop everything that you're doing. And so in verses 1 through 5, wisdom says stop, pay attention. Pay attention to what? To prudence. That's one thing. Prudence is not just wisdom. I think sometimes we think wisdom is just about making good career decisions, knowing where to put our money, knowing how to parent. But it's prudence that wisdom has for us. It's just shrewdness. Pay attention to the shrewd kind of wisdom that I have for you. And pay also attention to sense. Really, uh, that means uh, devote your heart to what I have to say to you. Pay attention to prudence and pay attention to that which will give commitment to your heart. Pay attention. Divine shrewdness. Divine commitment. Wisdom is more than uh, what you think wisdom is about. This is real quickly. There's a couple of encouragements that we see at the beginning here. Pay attention. But notice this. Notice that wisdom is meant for the whole world. Wisdom's proclaimed in the marketplace where people gather. Christianity teaches us that God is not shy, that God doesn't make you work to get to know Him. God comes to you, initiates a relationship, makes Himself known. Reveals himself. Wisdom is revealed to the whole world. Look, the setting is a shopping market. And notice also that wisdom, it doesn't come from deep inside of you. You're not meant to sit in some uh, dark, uh, private corner of your house or some secluded veil outdoors and find wisdom. No. Wisdom doesn't come from deep inside of you. Wisdom's external. You don't have wisdom. God has to give you wisdom. You need Him. And so He proclaims in that marketplace that He might be heard. And verse 5 is so important. Look at who wisdom is for. It's for the simple, the untutored, the gullible. One commentator says this word means those who are malformed. That's who it's meant for. Wisdom speaks to the simple. And not only that, wisdom speaks in verse 5 to the fool, the one who is spiritually dull, the one who just gallivants about life, not thinking spiritual things at all. Isn't that encouraging? Pay attention, simple-minded. Pay attention, you fool. And isn't that a wonderful thing to hear that wisdom doesn't come from inside of me, that I must go elsewhere? How many times do we look back at our lives and we see so many examples where I was foolish and ignorant and I did horrible things to myself and to others? Praise be to God that wisdom isn't birthed in my heart. Wisdom comes from God. And God proclaims in the marketplace. The second thing that wisdom says is not merely pay attention, but wisdom says, take me, verse 10, take my instruction, and it literally means seize me, grab me, dive after me. 
Pay attention to what I have to say, but grab tight. Trust me, you'll never find anything that compares with me. Silver, gold, jewels, nothing you desire can compare. And remember the setting of a marketplace. Who goes to the marketplace? Those who are looking for products. And God says, this is the product. Nothing compares to me. Well, wisdom has much to say. Pay attention and grab hold. And just real quickly, do you remember the illustration earlier in Proverbs about the adulteress? We should keep that in our minds. The adulteress, she slinks around in dark corners. She is seducing and enticing. She knows that she's not the most desirable thing, so she has to put on a spin. She has to mark it, but not wisdom. Wisdom says, pay attention and seize me. And it's all out in the open. And in order to encourage us to do this, wisdom makes three self-praises. And that's the change in verse 12. Wisdom says two things. Pay attention and grab me. And then wisdom makes three self-praises. You see the first one in verses 12 through 14. Wisdom worships God. This is the first self-praise. Wisdom worships God. Verse 12 says, I, wisdom, I'm not just prudent, I dwell with prudence. You see that in verse 12. And I don't just find knowledge and discretion. The word for find is I reach, I arrive at knowledge and discretion. That's a boast in verse 12. I'm not just prudent. I dwell with prudence. Before you think that you and Lady Wisdom are these fellow travelers on this road, both of you seeking wisdom, trying to live a better life, trying to live a life that glorifies God better, you and Lady Wisdom are not fellow travelers. Think again. She dwells with prudence and she has reached it. And think about visiting Buckingham Palace. Maybe some of you here have done that, walked about the innards of that great building, and you might, uh, after you return from London, boast to others, I've been in Buckingham Palace. I've touched the carpet. I've seen it in person. But boast all you want, but would you make that boast before the queen herself? I think you'd stop. You'd boast about it to someone like me. I've never been in Buckingham Palace, but you wouldn't boast to the queen. She lives there, and you just paid the admission to get in. We've already been told by the writer that wisdom is fearing the Lord. We've been told that several times. Wisdom is to fear the Lord, to revere God and to submit to Him, to worship God alone. But look at verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. And do you see what follows that? The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. And then what does wisdom say in her sermon? She goes on to say, I'm that one who hates evil. Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is a hatred of evil is not a command to us. 
That's elsewhere in Proverbs. It's a boast from wisdom. She's saying, I'm that person who fears the Lord. You see, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. And if I hate those things, I fear the Lord. Verse 13 is not another command to us. It's an example of wisdom in her perfect fear of the Lord. She worships God. She worships Him perfectly. And because of that, see in verse 14, she has counsel, sound wisdom, insight, strength. What is this a self-praise about? She worships God. She knows God and she places Him first, bows the knee before God, fears Him perfectly. Do you see that this self-praise is really a praise to God? Let's look at her second self-praise, beginning at verse 15. Wisdom exercises God's rule. I know this sounds obvious that kings were so important in the ancient world, but they really were. Kings were the very source of security. You see, we are Americans. We don't like kings. And not only that, we find our liberty even despite whichever president we happen to have. We are a kind of people who in our heart of hearts value self-governance. The president is important, but if he goes bad, we generally trust that we can take care of ourselves and of our family. I don't need the president to do that. We can hunker down, protect our assets, go off the grid, move to another state. We're Americans. But in the ancient world, kings really did hold security. And to have uh, the power to make a king is the power to make and protect and preserve an entire civilization. So when wisdom says in verse 15, by me kings reign, what does Lady Wisdom mean by that? She means also that by me kings don't reign. She is the king uh, maker. In verse 17, she says, I love those. And I think verse 17 is a reference to the kings she talks about in 15. I love those kings who love me, which means that she doesn't love those kings who don't love her. And verse 19, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. And I think what she means by that is that the fruit that comes from a king, however good that fruit, is less than the fruit that comes from me. There is a reign, a sovereign power that is even greater than the king and even greater than ourselves. Don't we as Christians know that we submit to bad employers because we know that those bad employers, they have an employer too? We submit to less than perfect bosses because we know that there is a perfect boss whom they must ultimately submit to. But wisdom, she has this close connection to the greater boss, serving his wishes, elevating his kings, giving fruitfulness to his kings, punishing his kings. 
But this boast of Lady Wisdom as the kingmaker, isn't it really a boast about God? She performs His will and His will alone. Wisdom exercises God's rule. And then the third and final self-praise, it too is a praise to God. Wisdom is connected to God's order. Do you hear the praises? Wisdom worships God. Wisdom exercises God's rule. And wisdom is connected to God's order. Beginning at verse 22, this is by far the most complex, but I think the most beautiful portion of this poem. Verse 22 says, The Lord possessed me, which probably means brought me forth. Brought me forth, a different word is used elsewhere. The Lord brought me forth at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Let me tell you what this means in shortcut fashion, because there's so many heresies that are born out of this section of Proverbs. But it means this, and I'm completely stealing this from Bruce Waltke's commentary on Proverbs. I have no shame in that. This is what 22 means. Wisdom has this connection with God's nature, with God's being, that is very different than the things that God has created. The things of creation have come into existence outside of God. God has made these things, but wisdom exists before creation. Wisdom is connected with God's own being and character. Wisdom wasn't created by God, you see, but a part of His nature to create all things. It's a deep part of the order of the created world. So verse 23 You see it here, ages ago I was set up. That word for set up is uh, installed or woven into the fabric. Ages ago I was woven into the fabric before the beginning of the earth. Verse 30, wisdom was beside God like a master workman, almost the effective will of God. Still in verse 30, daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. Wisdom's perfectly suited to God's plan to order all things. And this is wisdom's way of saying, you have no closeness to God that is closer than the closeness I have to God. Now, I want us to understand here that verses 22 22 through 31 Wisdom is connected to God's order. All of the Protestant reformers looked at this section and said, this is Christ. This is a shadow of who Jesus is. Wisdom is not the fourth person of the Trinity. Wisdom is the operative power of the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is here in this passage Listen to this from Colossians chapter 1. It's a familiar passage. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who is that Word? 
That's Jesus. The world was made through him in John chapter 1 again. Hebrews chapter 1, through the Son God created the world. All of the reformers, and we should as well see that right here, the boldest self-praise of wisdom is actually a praise to Jesus Christ. He is God's wisdom. And here he is being prefigured. But it is a boast, isn't it? Wisdom boasting about her position in relation to God's creative work. But you know, there's a similar boast like this in God's Word in the Old Testament, and it's in Job chapter 38. It's a description that God makes of Himself, elevating Himself before Job, but also chastising Job, reminding him of who he is and who he needs. Do you remember how Job chapter 38 begins? Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, God says to Job. I will question you, and you make it known to me. God asks Job this, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And God goes on like this to Job for two chapters. There's an intermission and two more chapters of all of this, and it sounds just like Lady Wisdom. And as she speaks, we feel and sense and see Jesus. Wisdom is this closely connected to God's ordering of the world, but isn't her boast really a praise to God? She says two things, pay attention and grab hold, and then she makes three self-praises. Wisdom worships God, exercises God's rule, and is connected to God's order. But look at the conclusion. This is her conclusion as she preaches to us. Look at verse 32. And now, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Do you think that this sermon is intended for non-believers or for believers? Did you notice what I skipped in verse 32? And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, uh, this self-praise you ought to take to heart. Pay attention, grab hold of wisdom, listen to the boasts of wisdom and see the work of your Savior. You may have been a Christian for decades upon decades. Don't think that you don't need this sermon. This, is, this appeal of self-praise is for us as the children of God. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. That's what God says to us in verse 33. I'm going to pray for us, but we're going to come to the table. And I want you to know that God's Word tells us that the Lord's table is a proclamation. Why would we as Christians need a proclamation? I've heard it before. I've heard it before. I've heard it before. Because of verse 33, hear instruction and be wise, do not neglect it. 
Let's remember that as we come to the table. We as Christians need the self-praise of wisdom that we would see the good work of our Lord and Savior. But there is a warning. It's short, but it's for those who are not quite ready to place their trust in Jesus. Maybe that's some of you. Maybe you're not antagonistic to Jesus, but you're not quite ready to go all the way and to repent and bow the knees before him. Look what this passage says to you. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. This is the only way to have life and God's grace. Because he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. To hate Jesus is to love death. This is not my conclusion. It's the conclusion of Lady Wisdom. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for giving us the voice of wisdom. Thank you, Father, that you make yourself known. Thank you, Father, that you give a hot reminder to those who profess faith in Jesus. Your grace is in this reminder. And we thank you for Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, we praise you that it would be your will that he save us. And Jesus, we praise you that you feared your Father and followed his will for our salvation. In your name, Jesus, amen.